Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Bibles tonight. Let's go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number one, and um, see what the Lord has for us tonight. And uh, so I've been put on a time limit. And, uh, and all God's children said, Amen. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm just picking. Um, Morgan looked at me and said, um, I'm not in there to uh, point at you when you run over your time limit. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. My watch was dead. No, I'm just picking. Um, we will, uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us here. Um, I love our Bible. And I love that old song she was playing, the old rugged cross. I love that song, um, but I love our Bible tonight, and uh, I thank the Lord for our Bible. You know, it's the way the Lord speaks to us, and I love that he does speak to us, and I love that he, uh, he uses his word. I love when I get something out of it. You know, it's, it's good to hear when other people get something out of it, but I love it when I get something out of it. And uh, so uh, let's see what the Lord has for us tonight. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter number 1, and uh, when you find your place, if you would stand with me uh, for the reading and reverence of God's word. And y'all pray for me tonight. I have battled a toothache for the last two days. And um, it, is, it, is, it is kicking my tail. I told Morgan, I said, it's starting to hurt again. And she started pulling pills. So I don't know what she gave me coming up here, so I am not responsible for what I say from this moment forward. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just picking on you. Um, but I'm just picking. But anyway, do pray because it is, it is starting to bother me a little bit. But um, Acts chapter number 1, verse number 1, the Bible says this, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not, be, uh, they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in, in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. Thank God for that part of the verse. And we'll be talking about that in just a minute. And when he had spoken these things, while they had beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven... As he went up, behold, two men stood, uh, stood by them in white apparel. Verse number 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? And here's my title tonight. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And let, let us pray. Jesus God, I thank you, Lord, for what you do for us, Lord. Thank you, God, for your love and your mercy and your peace, God. I thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, to stand one more time, God, and preach your word, God. God, I thank you, God, for our church, God, and what you're doing around it, God. I pray, God, that you'll continue to bless, God, and move in it, God. I pray, God, that you'd help us, God, give us what we need, God. 
God, I pray, God, for all the kids in Discovery Bible Club tonight, God, all the teachers, God. God, I pray, God, you'll go up and down every, every uh, classroom, God, and show up in a mighty, mighty way, God. God, if one of them's lost tonight, God, I pray, God, you'll save them, God, for it's everlastingly too late, God. God, I pray, God, in here, God, tonight, that you'll use us in a mighty way, God. God, I pray, God, you'll touch us, God. Give us what you want us to say tonight, God. And, God, we thank you and we praise you, God. If there's one here lost, God, and undone without you, tonight's tonight, God, they'll come to an altar and get saved, God. God, you said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me, God. And, God, I pray, God, that I can lift you up tonight, God. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The book of Acts is a historical narrative written by Luke. It is part of two of his writings, the, the Gospel of Luke being the, being the first. It's a chronicle of the early church from the ascension of the Lord Jesus to Paul's first imprisonment in Rome. It is called the Acts of the Apostles, but could easily be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit or the Acts of the Lord Jesus. As the Lord is growing the church with power, it's a book about faith, boldness, spiritual power, and various kinds of difficulties and persecutions that the church receives. But it is more than just a history lesson. It is more than just history of the other church. It is a book of transition from a small Jewish movement in Israel to a primary Gentile, non-Jewish world movement expanding into the Roman world. There's also a transition from the apostles in Jerusalem with Peter being prominent to the Apostle Paul and his companies and his companions in mission across the Mediterranean, we begin to see a distinctively New Testament church taking shape. Many have recognized the narrative of Acts uh, moves in fulfillment of the Jesus' words in Acts 1.8 when he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now think about that just for a second. Think about that for a second. He said, let me read it again, Unto, and both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the othermost parts of the earth. The book of Acts is showing us how Paul began to take the, uh, the word of God and began to take the great story of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he began to move across the Mediterranean Sea into a place called Rome, into Eastern Europe. And folks, I can just tell you right now, many of you in here tonight, if you were to chase your ancestry back far enough, you would find that your ancestry went right through Eastern Europe. That is the time of the book of Acts at the very end when Paul began to pass the word of God into the eastern part of the, uh, of the European nation, the future European nations. That way he could spread the word of God to our ancestors. And our ancestors began to spread it westward over across the European nations. And then one day when they said, it's time that we start, we, we step away from this, this rule in, in Europe and we go across the Atlantic Ocean and we come to a place called America. And folks, that's us tonight. And we're glad to stand right there. And when, this, when the book of Acts was wrote, when Luke began to pin it down, guess what the United States was? Wasn't thought of. Wasn't around. That makes it the uttermost part of the earth. In 1777, when we became a nation under God, when we became one nation under God, the Bible was fulfilling itself. We became the uttermost parts of the earth. The Word of God came here. What a blessing that is to be a part of that. Many have reckoned, I, I, I talked about that just a second ago, about the, about the Word of God being translated from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel is proclaimed first in Jerusalem in chapters 1 through 7, then in Judea and Samaria in chapters 8 through 12. 
and then across the Roman world to the capital of Rome in chapters 13 through 28. The main theme of this book can be summed up in three words. This same Jesus. This same Jesus. And church tonight, I want to bring you a, a very topical thought tonight. Home the thought of this same Jesus. This same Jesus is eternal and unchanging. This same Jesus is eternal and unchanging. In Hebrews chapter number 13, Jesus Christ, or we find out that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The plan of God to redeem the human race did not originate in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned. God was not surprised. He did not say, oops. He was not caught off guard when Eve took of the fruit. This was a plan that was formed before the foundations of the world. God had a plan. A plan was established and settled in a done deal. Before the universe was ever created, before the very foundations of the earth was laid, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit had agreed on how it was all going to be exist before. And, and how to bring into existence of race. Now think about this. How to bring to existence a race of creatures that had never at that point ever been heard of before. Creatures that, uh, um, uh, that, that would be called man. A race of super beings unlike any other in heaven. God-like in their power to think for themselves and to create anything their mind could imagine. They were to be a people who could enjoy a meaningful relationship with God at the highest level and who would choose to do so of their own free will. That phrase right there, before the foundations of the world. Let's take a look at it for a second. In Matthew chapter number 13, verses 34 and 35, the Bible says this, All things which spake Jesus unto the multitudes in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, 34, Then the king will say unto them, on his right hand, come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Luke eleven fifty. the blood of, the, of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. John 17, 24, Father, I will that, uh, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be, uh, uh, be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. For we have, uh, in Hebrews 4, 3, for we have be believed, do in, uh, let me read it right. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he, as he said. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Hebrews 9, 26. For then must the, uh, he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 1 Peter 1.20, who verily was uh, foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Revelation 13.8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life, but in the book of, in the, book of the life of the Lamb, slain before the foundation of the world. Can I just tell you right now, I think the Bible, I think the Lord wanted us to know that the plan of God was settled before the foundation of the world. That same God that we read about in Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 1. And, and uh, God created the heavens 
and the earth. That same God is the same God that we serve today. The same God that Adam and Eve went back to when they sinned and undone without him. It's the same God that forgave them. He's the same God that we serve tonight, church. The same God that took the children of Israel and read it, led them to the Red Sea, stuck them between a rock and a hard place, and parted the Red Sea for them. They walked over on dry ground, and they destroyed the uh, Pharaoh himself. That same God is the same God that we worship today. The same God that met with David over on the backside of the hillside over there with his, with his little lambs and his little sheep. That's the same God that we serve today. The same God that David prayed to when he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Church, that's the same God we serve tonight. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He changeth not. If he could heal him in the Old Testament, he could heal him today. If he could heal him in the New Testament, he could heal him today. He is the same God. The same God that was born a perfect little baby. He was born in a, in a, in a manger. He was born and wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was born and wrapped in death cloths. That same Jesus is the one that we serve today. The same one that John saw that day on the riverside and said, Behold the Lamb of God. That's the same God that we serve today. That's the very same Jesus that we serve today. The same Jesus that healed the sick, that cleansed the lepers. The same God that was there for them is the same God that is here for us tonight, church. The same God that went to Calvary and died for my sins and your sins. The same God that went to Calvary and died for the sins of the people in the Bible. The same God that, that died and went to the sins for your ancestors and my ancestors. Ancestors. That's the same God that we serve today. The same God that met with them some 40 days after he raised from the dead. Some 40 didn't even recognize who he was. That same God is the same God that we serve today. The same God that they saw ascending into heaven. That's the same God that we serve today. The same God that we're going to see coming in clouds of glory one day. That's the same God that we serve tonight, church. Church, that's the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The problem is we've got over it. The problem is, church, we've got over the fact that he is still Jesus. He is still God. He is still who he said he was. He is the same. He's never changed. Not one time has he stepped off the throne and been anything different than God. Not one time has he ever thought about going back to the beginning and giving up. You know, he sees past time, present time, future time all at the same time. You know, he could have just went back and just kicked that little serpent to the side but it wasn't his plan. There's many times he could have kicked your sickness to the side, but it wasn't his plan. There's so many times he could have kicked your, your loss to the side, but that wasn't his plan. The plan of God is being perfectly fulfilled before our eyes tonight. You were designed to be here from the foundation of the world. You were supposed to be in this seat at this moment, hearing this old fat boy preach to you, that's what you were supposed to, the perfect will of God. It may not have been perfect for me to be this big, though. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> anyway, man, it's the same. I can't get over that. It's the same God. It's the same God. Look at this right here. Not only is, the, is this same Jesus unchanging, but look right here. It's the same Jesus in his indwelling. The same Jesus in his indwelling. You know, the Holy Spirit, that right there in, in chapter number 1 that talks about the power, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Folks, if you're saved tonight and you're born again, that means you realized a time in your life that you were lost. That means you realized there was a time in your life that you needed something 
other than what mom and daddy was going to give you or something that you couldn't find in the bottom of a bottle or at the end of a, uh, in some pills or, or in a syringe. You needed something more than that. That's when you met Jesus. That's when you realized you were lost and you met Jesus. If that ever happened in your life, the Holy Ghost is living inside you. He's a, he, God, uh, God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, three in one and one in three. That means the God of the universe is living inside you. Think about that. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We know a lot about it. It must be important because the Lord put the Holy Spirit throughout our entire Bible from cover to cover. God places a very high importance upon the Holy Spirit. Some of the last words that the Lord shared with the disciples before he ascended was to go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Paul understood the importance that the Lord was trying to get across to the Christians. 2 Corinthians um, 13, 14, he talks about the communion with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is important because if we sin against the Holy Spirit, we have no one to defend us. We have no one to defend us. So let's look at the Holy Spirit for a second. First of all, let's look at the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit can be affirmed by the attributes of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit can be affirmed by the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. The Holy Spirit has the very mind of God. Think about that. If you're saved tonight, you have the very mind of God living inside of you. Everything that's in God's mind is living inside of you. Think about that. His means. That means all the means of God. Everything that he has in his arsenal is living inside of you tonight. If you're saved, if you're saved tonight, the reality that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three in one and one in three, it's kind of hard to wrap our mind around. It's kind of hard to wrap our mind around it. But, can I tell you this, so are other things of the world too, you know? But God said He was, He is, and He will be. And that, from the beginning it said God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God the Father. In the beginning, God the Son. In the beginning, God the Holy Ghost. Right there, God brought it all together. Look right here. It's affirmed by the attributes of the Holy Spirit, but it is affirmed by the actions of the Holy Spirit. Look at his actions in creation. Genesis 1, 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God. If you read some perversions of the Bible, they say it was a great wind. That moved across the, 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 the waters. A great wind. Can I tell you what? It was the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it was the Spirit of God that moved across the face of the deep. Before the foundations of the world, that same God is living inside of you tonight. Think about that. It's affirmed by, his, by the actions of the Holy Spirit. It is confirm, uh, in His work in creation. In His work in commissioning. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. And He said, and spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, It's by my spirit, not by your might, not by power, but by the spirit of the Lord of hosts. We cannot do anything in our, our power. It's all in the power of the Lord's spirit. We see his work in creation, his work in, commis in commissioning. Look at his work in comforting. His work in comforting. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you. John chapter number 16, verse number 7. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, many times we stop right there and we shout that verse down like we should. But let's finish it. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and see me no more, and of judgment because the prince of the world is just. We stop at the comforter. That comforter right there, yes, he is our comforter, but that comforter is when we sin and, we're, and our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags and we realize how low and down low we really are and how we're not worthy to even call upon the name of the Lord, but instead we've got a comforter that'll sit there and say, yeah, that's one of mine. That's one of mine down there that's calling out to you, God. That's one of my youngins that needs you right now. I know this world is big. They say there's 7 billion people in the world, roughly, something like that. But can I tell you what? When you cry out to God tonight, God sees right down into your heart. He takes time out of his busy schedule and comes down and communes with you tonight. That's the God that we serve today. He's done it from the beginning. He'll do it now, and he'll do it in the future. He's the same God in his comforting. Look right here, he's the same God in his conviction. Acts 2.37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. That was the preaching of Peter that they heard. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Have you ever been in a church service and, well, I don't even know what to do. The Lord is, uh, there's something happening on the inside of me. I feel like I'm about to explode. I feel like, I feel like there's so, there's so, cause there's something real big moving inside of you. Think about the God of the world is moving inside of you when you get those feelings. Think about that. I know we're not saved on feelings, but can I tell you, it sure feels good to serve a Lord. It sure feels good to feel God move on me. It sure feels good to know God is listening to me tonight. We see the person of the Holy Spirit. Look right here. We see the power of the Holy Spirit. The power to reveal Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, wherefore I, give, uh, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. He can, think about this, that power that is living in you, he can proclaim Jesus as God. That's that power that is living inside of you. Think about all that power that you hold as a Christian inside your life. Think about that for a minute. We forget about that. I remember back in, in, in 2016 during that revival, Jonah stepping out of the, he, he stepped out of the waters of the teen, teenagers. Y'all remember that? And he stepped out and he said, the problem is, he didn't stutter one time when he done that. If you ever, if you paid, he never one time stuttered. He stepped out and said, the problem is y'all got over, you're not going to hell. And the place erupted because it was real, it was true, and it was right. We've got over what the Lord's done for us. He's, he, and he is great in what he does, but us as humans, we get over it. We get, we get over everything. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. But if there's one thing that we should never get over, is what the Lord Jesus Christ done in our lives. If, we, if there's one thing that we should never get over, is what God done as a six-year-old little boy over there at 1445 Poplar Springs Road, Helkin, North Carolina, late at night one night when I was laying, I would sleep, Brother Robert, with my foot on my sister. Because I thought that would prevent the second coming of the Lord. A lot of power in that foot right there is what I thought. But can I tell you what? That night when I got up out of my bed and I eased over there to Mama, said, Mama, something not right. 
I need to get something figured out. <laughs> I need to get something. Something ain't right, Mommy. Mama said you need to be saved. She said, Jimmy, come in here. <laughs> Holler for my daddy to come down the hall. My daddy led me to the Lord right in front of the gun cabinet. I said, I nailed at the gun cabinet. What you talking about? Amen to that. And what God done for me that night and how God worked in my life and how God's never left me. He's never forsaken me. Yeah, I've went through some dark times. Yeah, I've went through some hard times. I'm going to go through some hard times. I'm going to go through some dark times. But I can tell you right now, church, God said I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In the greatest moments of your life, God was right beside of you. In the saddest moments of your life, God was right beside of you. There's some in here that has faced some of the darkest days as a parent could possibly face, but I can tell you right now, God was with you the whole time. God was with you. He's never left us. But the only way you can say that is if you've got him living in you. That's the only way you can say it. The power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one that has the power to reveal Jesus Christ as Lord. Let's move on here. We see the power of the Holy Spirit. Look right here. We see the performance of the Holy Spirit. I told Morgan the other night, if I add any more to this message, I, the Lord, if the Lord gives me any more to it, I'm, I could preach three hours on it. I'm telling you, he gave me so much for this. Now I thank him for it. The performance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit provides life. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are under the curse of the law. Since we are all sinners, this means that we are destined to be punished to hell. But there was work done on Calvary. Jesus Christ died, took his blood to the mercy seat and sent the Holy Spirit to convict us. And because he convicted us, can I just tell you, church, if you've never been convicted, you've never been saved. You've got to be convicted before you get saved. You can't just get saved because your buddies got saved. You can't just get saved because your mom and daddy told you you need to get saved. You can't get saved because just because the preacher said you need to get saved. You need to get saved because the Holy Spirit said you need to get saved. That's about as blunt as I can't put it any clearer than that. you got to be that. It's got to be real tonight. It's, it's done playing games. It's done playing games. It's time to get real with this thing. It's time to get real with God. He's a real big God. And he's taking a lot of time out for you. It's time we get serious about it. But we see the performance of the Holy Spirit. God provides life. The Holy Spirit provides life. The Holy Spirit provides the presence of God in our hearts. A hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us in Romans 5, 5. Now look at this. This is a fun one here. You know, you get that desperation of alliteration, and then you find a word, and you just go, whew! I don't know who came up with that word, but I'm going to claim it. The prerogative of the Holy Spirit. Desperation for alliteration, all right? But listen to what this means. That word prerogative means a right or privilege exclusive to a particular individual or a class. So basically what I'm saying is the rights of the Holy Spirit. Look right here. He has the right and he has the prerogative, if you want to say it like that, of the sealing of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1.22, Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. If I fail God tonight, you know what, there's a good chance I could. We're all just one mistake away, but also we're one mistake away from ruining our testimony. But can I tell you what? We're one word away from the forgiveness of God. No matter what you've done, no matter where you came from, one word, and God is right beside of you instantly. 
He's right back in communion with you. There's a sealing of the Holy Spirit. Then we have the settling of the Holy Spirit. I thank God for the day I got saved. But can I also say this? I thank God for the day that God settled it on my heart. And the Holy Spirit settled the, 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 uh, uh, the thought of salvation and the idea of salvation to a six-year-old little boy was hard to wrap my head around. But I can tell you right now, Brother Stan, on Poplar Springs Road once again, I was driving up the road in a, in a 1999 Nissan Sentra, and there was snow on the ground. And I topped the hill, and I hit, a, whew, I hit a, <laughs> an open field right there, and it was snowing on the ground. It was probably four inches of snow on the ground. I got to the top of the hill, and it's like the Lord sat down in that little Nissan Sentra. I can take you to the very spot, to the very spot where he said, I washed your sins. As wide as that snow right there. You were wicked and you were undone, but I washed them as wide as snow. That was the Holy Spirit talking to me. The Holy Spirit just decided to sit down in old 1999 Nissan Sentra that day. That probably didn't have a drop of oil in it. Sat down right beside of me, and I'm telling you what, it helped me. Helped me that day. He settled it in my life. I'm going to be quick right here, but I do want to preach hard right here. The potential of the Holy Spirit. The potential of the Holy Spirit. I just told you everything about God is living inside of you. That means there's a potential living in you. I want to ask this question. Are you living up to that potential? Are you living up to what God has put inside of you? The Christian living a spirit-filled life is one of the greatest things that a Christian can do, a person can do. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Just your reasonable service. It's just the best that you can do is just live a holy, separated life. It's the best that you can do. Think about that for a second. Think about that. Think about God. Being so great and all the mighty just attributes of God living inside of you. And when you sin, you quench it. He doesn't get to work like he wants to. His whole plan was to work in our free will. The whole plan of God was to work through you. To work through me. And for us to have the potential and not live up to it. That's hard. That's hard to do. The Spirit regenerates us and causes us to be born again in John 3, 1 through 8. The Spirit leads us into a deeper knowledge of Christ in Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. The Spirit guides us into the truth in John 16, 13 through 15. The Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Christ in Acts 1, 8. The Spirit produces His fruit in our lives in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The Spirit gives us victory over the flesh in Romans 8, 1 through 17. The Spirit helps us pray in Romans 8, 26 through 27. The Spirit gives us spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. The Spirit sets us free from being selfish in Galatians 5, 13 through 16. The Spirit transforms us to become more like Christ in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. The Spirit gives us a heart of worship in Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. The Spirit makes us bold to speak God's Word in Acts 4, 31. And there's so much more that the Holy Spirit does. And it's that same Jesus that was there that day. The same Holy Spirit that came upon them that day is the same Holy Spirit that's living in you today. That same potential that they had. Paul or Peter preached and 3,000s got saved. Paul, one of the greatest authors this, this world has ever seen, 
came just because he was spirit-filled. John, probably the quietest, greatest author that ever lived. He man just he think about all that he'd done, and he'd done it after all of his friends died. Think about that for a minute. All the work that he'd done, the only reason he's able to do it is because of the Holy Spirit. There's a potential living in you. We don't know who's sitting in this room tonight, but there's some potential that I see in here. Some potential. We got to move on. Lastly, tonight, I see this same Jesus in his returning. This same Jesus in his returning. The Spirit of God, or the, 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 the two angels that was sitting there, they looked and he says, Behold, he said, Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I'm telling you what, if it was up to me, we'd still be standing there just waiting. But there's a job to be done. So why did you stand to your gaze? And there's a job to be done because of what Jesus said in John chapter number 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. And he goes on later to say, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's as simple as it gets tonight, church. That's as simple as I can put it tonight. The Holy Spirit has never walked in your life. You've never felt the Holy Spirit move in your life. You're lost and done done without God. And you need Him tonight. You've got to have Him tonight. He's your only hope for the future. Your hope is not going to be in a bottle. Your hope is not going to be on a TV screen. Your hope is not going to be in a ball glove. Your hope is not going to be on a basketball court or hid behind a helmet on a football field. Your hope is in the Lord. That's the hope that you have. That's the hope for the next generation. There's a generation sitting behind you. I don't care what age you are. There's a generation sitting behind you. Think about that. Think about that. What legacy are you leaving for that next one? What legacy are you leaving for that next six-year-old? You know, if they were up here, we could tell them that. What legacy are you leaving for that next 10-year-old? What legacy are you leaving for that next teenager? What legacy are you leaving for that next senior? What legacy are you leaving for that next 21-year-old? What legacy are you leaving for that next 30 and 40 and 50 and so on and so What legacy are you leaving? There's somebody looking at you. And what legacy are you leaving them? It's more, I think sometimes in this world we get our minds so wrapped around self. We are a world filled with self. Selfies. You know, we're all about ourself. We love ourself. I don't sometimes look like I do this, but I bet every one of us checked the mirror before we left the house. You know? Did we spend more time behind the mirror or more time behind the Bible? We want to make ourselves look good. But there's a potential living inside you. That's if you're saved tonight, church. That's if you're saved tonight. So I want to ask you, if someone comes to play, you want to play Madeline? Um, I want to ask you tonight, and the preacher's coming, uh, I want to ask you tonight, is the Holy Spirit living in you? Is God living in you? And if he is, are you living up to your potential?